Hello, my name is Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Mars Attacks Radio. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. You are listening to Mars Attacks. Get out of my face. Hi, this is Robert Fleshman, and you're listening to Mars Attacks with Victor. This is Dave Silva and Cy Taplin and Sasha Crone. And we're from Savage Messiah. And you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, everybody, this is Bobby Rock coming at you live from L.A., and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hi, this is Bruce Kewley, and you're hanging with Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Corey Proctor from Free Range, and you're listening to Mars Attacks Radio, so come rock out and jam. Hey, everyone, this is Dave Menichetti from YNT, and you're listening right now to Mars Attacks. This is Dave Starr from Wildstar, and you're listening to some serious metal on Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Eric from White Wizard, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. All right, this is Jason from uh, Kings of Modesty, and you are listening to Mars Attack Rock and Roll Show. So stay tuned, Metalheads. What's happening? This is Jeremy Goldberg from Age of Evil, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what's up? This is Mercedes from Kitty, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. This is Ron from Home Kitty, you're listening to Mars Attacks, my buddy Vic. Oh, yeah. What's up? This is Doc Coyle from the band God Forbid, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony, and you're listening to Mars Attacks with Victor. Rip it. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Hey, what do you say? Be careful, because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Bliss from Overkill. You stay tuned. Welcome, one and all, to episode number three of Mars Attacks podcast. In this episode, we will debut an interview that we conducted with former Iron Maiden lead singer Blaze Bailey. Behind this, you could hear the sign of the cross, which was on the X Factor, the first album that he sung with Maiden. His interview, to me, was pretty insightful with some of his opinions on certain topics. Uh, I won't spoil anything for you, but pay close attention, because there are some statements that may catch you a little off guard. He also sets the record straight as to why he left Maiden, or was asked to leave Maiden. And uh, talks a lot about his new album, Promise and Terror. What we'll do is we'll listen to the rest of Sign of the Cross, and then go into the interview, and then come out with a few Blaze tracks and talk about all things Mars Attacks after that.
on the phone we have Blaze Bailey, lead singer of obviously Blaze Bailey uh, band and project, and ex-lead singer of bands like Iron Maiden and uh, Wolfsbane. Uh, currently, Blaze is going to be out promoting Promise and Terror, which just came out. And Blaze, can you tell us a little bit about the songwriting process for the album? Yeah, we decided to do things on this album uh, a little bit different. We wanted to try and get much more of a live feel to the album. So the first thing we did was uh, go through all our ideas at home and we set up uh, a little practice drum kit in my house and we used a four-track machine to get all the song ideas together. And then we were happy when we were happy that we had something solid, we went to our rehearsal room and we put all the song ideas we had into a running order, just the same as a set list that we do live. And we went through everything just like a live set to really try and get the feel uh, and the energy of what the song would be like live. And we made quite a few changes in that part of the process. And that really helped because then when we got to the studio to record the drums, we were recording the songs in an order that we felt comfortable with. And it really did feel like the album was starting to tell a story. And then Jace Edwards, who has produced the album with us, then he set up his own studio in my house. So all the guitars and bass and vocals were done at home. And uh, I think uh, it's made for a much better album because there's a lot less time wasted on repeating things and going over stuff. And a lot more time was spent saying, does it feel right? You know, and we're in a familiar environment, so we weren't overawed and there wasn't much red light fever. So, uh, so it worked out well, really, for us. And um, I didn't know what the fans would think of it because Really, it's quite a different sounding album to the last Blaze Bailey album, The Man Who Would Not Die. But so far, with Promise and Terror, a lot of the fans have said they think it's my best work that I've ever done overall. And uh, I'm very, very proud of it. Yeah, I, I would actually concur with that as well. The album is, in my opinion, very solid from start to finish. And there really isn't any filler throughout the album at all. Um, did you record the album then with a live feel? Did everyone record it once and then go back and do any uh, retakes or was everything done individually? Well, what we did was um, we just spent about seven days recording the drums and we all played live with the drums and we kept those takes, those guide tracks and some of the vocals that I did on those live tracks had a certain feel to them and, and a, an emotion and a connection and we used some of the guide vocals that were recorded with the drums as the main vocal for the album and in other parts we used stuff that I recorded on my own with the producer so it, it was you know uh, quite different the way that we did it and, um, and I, I think it's turned out well for that and we, we haven't been too nervous or, or anything like that. And I'm really hoping that the Spanish fans will enjoy the Promise and Terror album. And playing the songs live so far on the first 20 shows of the tour, it's been absolutely fantastic. The response we've had 
from fans all over the UK has been brilliant. We can't wait to get to Spain and play the songs to the Spanish fans. Great, great. Um, when you approach the songwriting, do you come in with just lyrics in mind? Do you actually work out the music as well and present it to the rest of the band? How does that usually take place? Well, we, we don't have a very set way of doing things. What we say is the most important thing is the idea must be good. It must be top quality. It must be good enough for a Blaze Bailey album. And it doesn't matter who comes up really with the melodies or the guitar parts or the lyrics. I don't do all of the lyrics. Um, I do most of it, but not all of it. So we, we don't, you know, once we've got together, then that's it. The most important thing is the idea. So a lot of the music Nico came up with and some of it Jay came up with and then some of the melody lines I, I came up with and then other people came up with different parts. So the most important thing is what's the idea supposed to be? What is the story that this song is supposed to tell? And try and involve the listener from start to finish and take them on a journey, whether that be over the second part of the album where four songs are linked together musically and lyrically, or in the first part of the album where the songs have a more standard format, then each part of that journey, we want to take the listener on to move them and, and try and get some kind of emotional connection. And that's what we do each time. So we're not really concerned about what's in the charts, what other bands are doing. We're just trying to do the best music that we can and write from our hearts and, and bring out and show people the passion that we have about our music. Okay. Perfect. Um, do you feel that it hasn't been that way with other albums where maybe you guys have tried to uh, look for maybe what's not so much in the charts, but what other hard rock or metal acts were doing and try to pull that into the album? Whereas with this album, maybe you went with more of with a gut feeling uh, with what you guys wanted to do? I think it's a level of confidence. When I left Iron Maiden, you know, I was, even though it was a, it was a blow, for me and I spent a long time getting over their decision to take Bruce back then um, I learned there just not to compromise you know in Iron Maiden they don't compromise they fought all their battles early on uh, the record company has nothing to do with the music it's only the people in the band and that's what I've tried to do but mm -hmm. I think it hasn't been until these two albums that there has been a level of confidence from everyone in the band, not just me, to say, well, we'll do what we feel. And, um, you know, when I started the Blaze Band, then it, people didn't want to play guitar solos uh, and have harmony guitars and things like that, which to me, you know, coming up with Black Sabbath and uh, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, was like, well, it's not metal then for me. Right. You know, it's not the kind of metal that I want to do. So I think I've never tried to follow what's in the charts. I don't want to be the next Nickelback or even the next Metallica. You know, I just want to be the Blaze Bailey band. And, uh, and hopefully people, if they listen with an open mind, will see that we've got something to say. And hopefully they'll see that there's passion and energy and raw emotion in that recording and they'll give us a chance and come and see us live, and hopefully they'll think that we're worthy of their support. So 
promise and terror really is it, it's really pulled everything together and we're so excited about coming and playing the songs in Spain. Okay, cool. Um, the lineup, as you mentioned, has been together since The Man That Would Not Die. And after uh, a bunch of different lineup changes that you had, more or less these guys have been more or less solidified with you over the course of the last few years. Uh, why has this lineup worked for you? I think it's a commitment thing. It's just not an easy life. It's not a career. You know, if you're going to be a musician in a metal band, it's just not a career. It's a way of life. And if you don't think of it as a way of life, I, I don't think you're going to last. You know, uh, people want a degree of certainty in their lives, which is understandable. Most of us want to know how much money we're going to have at the end of each month, where we're going to go on vacation next year, um, and that we can afford to go out for a drink with our friends on the weekend. Well, when you're living from music, you just don't know any right. of the answers to those questions. So I think that's a lot. And the the insecurity and unpredictability of it, the uncertainty of trying to make it in a band is just too much for some people. And uh, I don't blame anybody for not doing it. You know, I don't feel I've had a choice. I've had to carry on. This is my life. Uh, this is all I can do. This is all I want to do. But for some people, they they weigh it up and they go, well, I want some security and some certainty in my life. And I don't blame them for getting that. But that's not me and that's not for everyone. You know, And in, for the band that we have together now, everybody is striving just to play our music. We live to play live. Um, to cut, You know, we want to come to Spain, we haven't done enough gigs in Spain, agents and managers in the past have made it very difficult for us to play in Spain and all we want to do is come to Spain and play as many towns and cities as we possibly can for the lowest ticket price we possibly can and promote our music live in Spanish clubs and pubs. Okay. So that's what we're trying to do over the next two years. So our first trip to Spain, we're just playing a few places, but really we want to play everywhere that there's a rock club in Spain. If we can afford to get there, we want to go there because we absolutely love playing there. Okay. I also want to mention, too, that uh, the interview portion of what we're doing here is going to be used for a U.S. Uh, radio show as well uh do you have any plans on going to the u.s after this european tour well this is our second album promise and terror with our own label and um we've just managed to secure a licensing deal with candlelight records okay and we'll and we we bring out promise and terror in may okay and that'll be our first proper u.s release and um we're, we hopefully will be coming over there in the summer. We're talking to Candlelight and we're talking to a couple of bands and promoters over there. We really want to try and get to the US this year if we can. So if you check blazebailey.net, then as soon as anything is confirmed, we will put it on the website so everybody knows about it. And I'd like to say a big thank you to all the US fans for the support and the belief that they've given me since I've started and since I've left Iron Maiden because we do sell a lot of our stuff from our online shop 
goes to fans in the USA. And that support has been really, really important to us. And that support is one of the reasons we've been able to make the Promise and Terror album. So a big thank you to all the fans there. Excellent. Do you feel that the fans, both in the U.S. and in the rest of the world, maybe uh, accept the Blaze albums or the Blaze Bailey albums more than the Maiden albums? Um, I think it was a very difficult time. If you were a hardcore Maiden fan, for your favorite singer to leave your favorite band and be replaced by someone that you were unfamiliar with and didn't want, that was a very difficult time for those fans. And I can understand that. Uh, for me, it was a wonderful time in my life. I had a lot of support and encouragement from all the fans, and they were very, very generous towards me. And what is um, what is great is that now fans that got the X Factor and Virtual Eleven and maybe didn't pay too much attention to those albums at the time, they're going back and listening to those albums and finding something new in them, and a lot of those fans are coming to see the Blaze Bailey Band. So even though it's 10 years uh, since I left Iron Maiden, then um, now it seems that people uh, from the Iron Maiden camp, those fans are more interested in me now than they were when I was in the band. And that is really, really cool. You know, it's a, it's a great feeling when people come and see me and say, well, I didn't check you out after you've left Maiden, but now I wish I had. Uh, because they really enjoy it, because a lot of our music really, you know, is Maiden-influenced. So, you know, if you like early Metallica and Megadeth and early Maiden, then you'll probably like a lot of what we do. And uh, it's really cool to see those fans coming to see us. We get a lot of Maiden T-shirts at our shows coming to check us out. And and so far, everybody's uh, supported us. So we're really, really happy about that. Excellent. Um, Let's see. Why did you decide to change the name from Blaze to Blaze Bailey uh, when you were putting out The Man That Would Not Die? Um, Well, there's a couple of answers to that one, really. But I suppose one easy answer is Google. Um, what you, you know, I would meet fans in the street and they'd say, oh, it's Blaze, what are you up to? I'd say, I've got a band together. And they would say, what's it called? And I said, Blaze. And they said, well, I've never heard of it. So, and that happened to me a lot. And what I found was that people didn't associate the name Blaze with Blaze Bailey from Iron Maiden. Um, so I thought about changing the name and when I got the new lineup together, I explained to everybody, I said, this is what is happening. Um, and I really think we should call it Blaze Bailey. Then we still have that link to the past, but everybody can see this is a fresh start with a fresh lineup and we're, we're a band. We share all the decisions and we write the music together. So that's, that's what I did. And on the first show that we played as Blaze Bailey, we had twice as many people at that venue huh. than we did when we were when I was Blaze. So it worked. And no if, you, well. if you Google Blaze, you'll get about a hundred things come up. A lot of them porn, which I'm not associated with, even right. though even though I could be obviously with my good looks. Um, <laughs> then you you Google Blaze Bailey and more or less you go straight to me and Wikipedia or straight to my website. So 
So it's a, it's a big advantage, really. And I wanted to do that at the start, but I was with sanctuary management, and I didn't have very good advice from them. The bloke that was taking care of me and was appointed as my manager at sanctuary really didn't have a clue what he was doing. And um, and so I, I blame him, really. But I wanted to be Blaise Bailey at the start. But um, it's all I will, you know, I think it's better off calling it Blaze, and I kind of went along with it, and I regret that. But now it seems to be working, you know. People look at Blaze Bailey, and, you know, people who know me from the Maiden and from the Wolfsbane years go, oh, I know who that is, and come and check me out. So, uh, so it's good, and when they come and see us, then they see it's obviously a band because, you know, of the way we play together and the way we are then we'll support each other. It's about a band on stage playing for each other and supporting each other and making the music work live uh, and really supporting each other musically. Um, it's not just a bunch of individuals. So so it's worked really well, and, uh, and I, I'm glad for that because it means that even though we play in in really small places because we're an underground cult metal band really that uh, right. a lot of the people who come to see us really really enjoy it so uh, we're like the best kept secret in metal cool excellent um when people come check you out live what are you doing a mix of solo material with a few maiden songs mixed in there and maybe some wolfsbane or is it all going to well, be just we, we don't do any wolfsbane songs okay. because occasionally we have a wolfsbane reunion okay so we had one a couple of years ago and we had one this december so what we think is well we don't need to play any wolfsbane songs because there may be an opportunity in the future to go and see wolfsbane Okay. Uh, and with the original lineup, whereas you won't get that with um, with the Maiden stuff, obviously. Sure. So, so I play. What I try and do is a, a mixture of my own material and the Blaze Bailey band, and then try and do uh, some Maiden ones. But we try and change it around each night, you know. So sometimes we might play Future Real, sometimes Lord of the Flies, sometimes Virus, sometimes Man on the Edge sometimes sign of the cross sometimes the clansman um because i've made seven albums since i left iron maiden right so it's difficult to choose really uh the set list to represent all of the albums right okay uh was it bittersweet leaving wolfsbane a band you'd been with for so long to go to maiden or was yes it, it was that's exactly the way to describe it it was bittersweet because we had no record deal we hadn't got anywhere we felt like we'd been really cheated by the business because all the time, all we ever wanted to do in Wolfsbane was uh, be on tour and play lots of shows. And we played less shows when we were signed up than we did before we were signed up. And that was very, very frustrating for all of us. So, uh, so yeah, it was bittersweet because it's like, well, we can't get anywhere, even though we felt we were still doing something good. Um, so it was, but it's nice now that, you know, we've had a couple of reunions and that's, that's water under the bridge. We're not trying to be a big successful band. All we're trying to do is have fun. So every couple of years when we do get together, it's like a big holiday. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. You were on Bruce Dickinson's show not too long ago. What was that like having two Maiden singers uh, talking about just music in general? That was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. 
because I'm one of the only other people in the world that knows what it's like to be the frontman of Iron Maiden. So it was really funny. And, uh, and we we're both, of course, ex-singers of Iron Maiden on one level, because he left Iron Maiden and I left Iron Maiden. So it was really funny. I had a great time. He's a great bloke. And uh, he's really supported my music since I left Maiden, since he's had his radio show. He's always played Blaze Bailey and the Blaze albums. So it's been really great. Oh, cool. Um, was that the first time you'd met him, or have you had contact with no, him? No, I've known Bruce for years. I first met Bruce in New York uh, at a concrete uh, convention, okay. and we were playing, uh, I think, downtown Manhattan, and uh, and at the lot in Kerrang! magazine, looking like twins, and uh, so we got together uh, for a few drinks, but it was really good fun. So I've known Bruce longer than the rest of the other members of Iron Maiden huh. by a weird coincidence. So yeah. uh, we've, always, we've always got along and been friendly towards each other. So we've never had a problem and I respect his work and he respects mine. You know, so uh, so we, we always have a laugh when we get together. Sure. Um, what was the audition process like when you joined Maiden? Um, well, what you had to do was you had a list of 10 songs um and you had to learn those songs and then you then i turned up and i got to sing the 10 songs with the band and it ranged from the first album to fear of the dark and uh you know something from each one uh it was great i never expected to get the job at all i mean my voice is so different to bruce dickinson right but, um but i don't know they must have seen something there and I just thought, well, for an hour, I'm going to be an Iron Maiden. It doesn't matter what happens after this, you know. I was a huge fan of the band before and loved the music. So to actually be there in the room with them was fantastic. And uh, it, yeah, it was just great. So um, I had the audition and a few days later, I was called back for a second audition where what you have to do is sing in the studio so they can get your voice recorded and see how it fits with their music. <laughs> and um, and, I'm, and after that, then uh, I got a phone call a few days after that to say that I was successful and I got the job. So uh, so it was fantastic, really. You know, it was a fantastic experience. I never expected it. I just thought I was totally lucky, you know, but I wasn't going to turn it down or persuade sure. them. I wasn't going to say to them, I don't think my voice fits. I just said, yeah, of course, I'll be an Iron Maiden, you know, the most important heavy metal band ever. Right. So um, it was it was a fantastic experience, and the amount of confidence that I gained from working with Steve Harris uh, was fantastic, really. And all those lessons that I learned in those years is what I put into the Blaze Bailey Band. And um, you know, ignoring what anybody else says, don't get any anybody. No one outside the band has any influence at all over the music, the lyrical content, or the artwork. And that's exactly the same as it is in Maiden because they fought the record company tooth and nail at the start uh, to get the artwork they wanted and, and just have the music that they wanted. And I've tried to stay with that. Sometimes it's been a more difficult path because the record companies I've been involved with have tried to make me go in what this direction or that direction. But I've just tried to stay true to my own heart, to my own beliefs uh, about what this music is. Um, that it's a music that is about energy and about representing truth 
and passion and um and so far you know uh, and now it seems to be working cool um you actually just touched on a very interesting point that i defend a lot with not only with you but with a lot of different uh singers or members of bands that come into legendary bands and it's an interesting point if you're offered the job in Iron Maiden, there's nobody in the world that's going to turn that down. As you said, you know, I don't sound like so-and-so, but you're not going to say no. You know, that's that's a dream job that no matter what someone says, you know, on the Internet, there's no way you're turning it down. So, Yeah, I think the worst case for me is Ripper Owens because I did feel that he was much better than Rob Halford. And I felt that when Ripper Owens was in Judas Priest, when I went to see them, uh, I thought, God, this guy is absolutely great. He really understands the music. He understands the fans. And then Rob Halford came back, and it was just like watching someone who didn't care. And uh, I thought that was a real shame. I really, I could see the point in a reunion uh, with Bruce Dickinson because it's a lot different voice and um, you know the same with uh, with Ozzy and Sabbath and that but I really didn't see the point in uh, having a reunion with Rob Halford because he's just not as good as Ripper Owens gotcha okay um, how often do you come in contact with former members of Maiden um, every year you know I- I'm still in touch with everybody by email um, and whenever they're local, then I go and see them. So if they're playing in the UK or if I'm somewhere and they're not far away, then I try and go and see them. So, uh, so yeah, it's like that really. But, I mean, they're all over the place. They're really busy. They all have really different lives. My life is quite simple. It's just my band, my record label, and the van that we take our gear around in. Sure. Okay. You had touched upon this earlier in the interview regarding what it was like to transition from Maiden to being a solo artist. Uh, You hear so many things on the internet and so many things that you read out there. What exactly did take place at the end of your tenure in Maiden? Was it an amicable split? Was it something that the band had let you go, which you alluded to before, or was it something that you wanted to step away from? Um, Well, they wanted to bring Bruce Dickinson back. That's it. It's as simple as that. So there's no room for me. They wanted to have a reunion, uh, bring Bruce Dickinson back and bring Adrian Smith back, and I just wasn't a part of that. So I had to stand aside. Um, It's a very sad time in my life. You know, I was depressed for a long time about it. Uh, I loved being in the band. Um, I loved the music. I was already working on songs for the next album, which I thought would be absolutely great and really turn a corner for that lineup. But uh, it wasn't meant to be. So, you know, those ideas that I would have worked on for my third Maiden album, I used all those ideas on Silicon Messiah and Tenth Dimension, you know, okay. my first solo albums. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a difficult time. I could see the points of it. And for me, I mean, it's amicable because I wanted I Maiden to continue. The world is a better place if you've got that band around because they're original and they're doing what they want and they're not fashionable. So, um yeah, well, yeah, it was a horrible time, you know, and I, and I, I think going back now, I think I'd do things slightly differently, but that's it. You, you can't really say what would have been, you know, hindsight um, won't move you forward at all. I just try and learn the lessons from those days, and now I've got my own label together, 
and a fairly solid lineup. Then now I'm doing what I originally wanted to do when I left Iron Maiden. When I when I left, I said to the management I had at the time, right, I just want to go now and play every small gig in Europe and show people that I'm in this for the music, not the money. Um, I'm not just in this to be a big rock star and famous. That's just something that goes along with it. Um, that's not the main reason to be in a band for me. And... Um, and the management I had at the time just wouldn't support me in that. And they said, it's wrong to play small venues. You shouldn't be seen in small places, um, it, you know, all of this business. So, uh, so that was it. And now I've got my own band together, my own label. Then I play anywhere I want to play. It doesn't matter how small. The most important thing is the fans. It's my belief that the fans make bands successful that if you are genuine, honest, and you have something interesting to say, that the fans will support you. Um, and, and that's the way I am now. So hopefully this year we'll get a chance to play a lot of shows all over the place. And next year we're just going to carry on doing the same thing, booking as many shows as we can and try and keep the tickets priced as low as possible and promote our music the old-fashioned way through playing live. Okay. Perfect. And you said the best place for people to check out news regarding the band is blazebailey.net, right? Yeah, if you go to blazebailey.net or MySpace Blaze Bailey, then uh, you can see exactly what's happening with us. We update it. The moment that we get any gig confirmed, it's updated. And uh, if, you know, if the manager uh, whips us, then we do a blog as well. <laughs> okay and the best place to purchase the album for now is off of the website or is there some place yeah, else they so should go we have a shop called uh, we have a shop at blazebailey.net and uh, that's the that's our main shop so, so if you go there you you can get any of our albums from blazebailey.net and okay. uh, also t-shirts to go with the tour and everything and any new products that were coming out anything like we're going to bring out um, our last album as a vinyl picture disc hmm. and we're also going to bring out the Blaze albums as well starting with um, Blood and Belief with some new artwork and that you'll also be able to order that and pre-register as well for different things that we bring out so our aim is that every time that we do an album if you get it from blazebailey.net you'll get it before any of the shops get it because we actually own the record company we do what the fuck we want gotcha okay and that's interesting how you know vinyl has made such a revival that you know you guys are able to put picture discs out and things like that that for so many years had disappeared. Yeah, we're really excited about it. We're going to do the whole catalogue uh, on limited edition, picture disc, vinyl, and uh, we're really, really excited about that. Hello, my name is Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Mars Attacks Radio.
a little City of Bones coming off of Promise and Terror from Blaze Bailey and his band. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. And I want to thank Blaze for making that all happen. Also want to thank his people, uh, namely Wolf over in Germany for setting things up and uh, being so quick to turn things around after I initially made the request for the interview. Um, Blaze did play in Spain while I've been over here in the States. Uh, Unfortunately, things didn't work out uh, the day that I was flying into New Jersey. Unfortunately, he was playing in my neck of the woods over there in Spain. Uh, But from what I've heard, it was one of the best concerts that a lot of people have seen. Um, Did a a good mix of Maiden and Blaze Bailey material. Played a lot off of this album. And um, I thought the interview was pretty interesting. You know, he threw some things out there regarding Halford, for example, that I didn't expect that sort of came out of left field. But uh, that's sort of why we do these interviews, you know, to find out some interesting uh, facts regarding different artists and different opinions. And, you know, we try to bring you, as usual, something a little different from the norm. But, uh, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. So, uh, I also want to uh, thank all of you for checking this podcast out. And uh, just wanted to remind you that I do have the radio show, Mars Attacks Radio, which does premiere Wednesdays, or I'm sorry, Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, on Mark Striegel Radio. This obviously can be heard on my website, marsattacksradio.com. Uh, You can also check out different news and different things that I'm writing up regarding the various shows that I do right on uh, MarsAttacksRadio.com. You can also go to the Talking Metal Wire, where I'm a frequent contributor. Unfortunately, I have been adding things this past week due to the fact that I am on vacation, but I still did want to put out an episode of the podcast for you, the listeners, to enjoy and to keep momentum going. Uh, We're getting some pretty good feedback. And remember, if you want to send me any types of comments, you can send them to victor at marsattacksradio.com. Also want to remind you that I do have the Spanish radio show and Spanish podcast. Uh, As I tell a lot of people, or like I tell a lot of people, you may not understand the language, but the music is all kick-ass, so... If you do want to uh, check out what I'm doing on that side of things, you can always go to FusionSonica.com or just click on the various links on MarsAttacksRadio.com, which pertain to the Fusion Sonica radio show and podcast. Also want to remind you that the Twitter, MySpace, and Facebook are all there. Uh, Also want to mention that this coming Thursday... March 25th, Mark Striegel and I will be doing a live show on MarkStriegelRadio.com. Right now we have a few guests that have been confirmed. Don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet because, you know, things do tend to change from time to time. So uh, don't want to jump the gun and then turn out that somebody cancel on us. And uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, We're going to um, wrap the show up shortly. In the coming weeks, you'll hear other interviews. Some will be new interviews that have yet to air. Others will be repeats that, for those of you that have been keeping track of the radio show, there will be repeat interviews that I've done over the past few months on the radio show itself. In any event, thanks again for listening. 
Remember, if you want to get in contact with me, do it via the website, marsattacksradio.com, or through email. You could write me at victor at marsattacksradio.com. And uh, what we'll do, we'll wind the show down with another track off of Promise and Terror. The name of this track is Watching the Night Sky. Thanks a lot. Catch you next time right here on Mars Attacks Podcast. <laughs>